Hey guys, welcome back. This is CourtsyHeatCourtsyHeat.com and today we're breaking everything down from Phoenix Suns, Clippers, uh, today's game with the Hawks, Bucks, surprising Warriors news, interesting Danny Age news and everything else. My oh my, do we have a lot and it's not even funny as the news keeps ramping up as the days go on it seems like. Okay, first thing first, I just want to get this out of the way, so we're jump right, sorry to jump right into the news. If you want to find us, go to www.courtsideheat.com, and you'll be able, there you'll be able to see all of our stuff, from exclusive articles to regular articles, from all of our podcast episodes to everything. We give in-depth, short and long-form articles products that make you go wow and so much more just go to courtsaheat.com courtsaheat is the mothership it's where you get all the information and then for social media we have tons of them but join a conversation at twitter.com slash courtsaheat at um, instagram.com slash courtsaheat nba facebook.com slash courtsaheat tumblr.com slash courtsaheat uh, Rumble.com slash Courts of Heat, DailyMotion.com slash Courts Heat. Then, of course, you know the ones SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, just search Courtside Heat. Even Google our name, one word Courts Heat, and, and all of our social media, all of our websites, everything will show up ready for you. And if you want to get sick merchandise, go to Courtside Heat dot store that is courtside he dot store with that quick announcement with those quick introductions done let's jump right on into the breaking news we got a lot more breaking news than we did yesterday but could it be more impactful let's jump right into it let's start smoothing let's try to just start going slow into news so let's start with it Kenny Atkinson and Terry Stotts are now considered two uh, frontrunners for the Orlando Magic head coaching job. That vacancy could be filled, but your Stotts or Atkinson or Atkinson. I'm sorry if I butchered that last name of Kenny. Of Kenny. But yes, one of those two men will be getting. A head coaching job for the Orlando Magic. That is what's supposed to be rumored as they are the front runners. Could Terry Stotts redeem himself after being fired as the Trailblazers head coach? Or is it time for Kenny Atkinson to get a shot with the Magic and prove himself to be a good NBA head coach? We don't know. We'll keep you guys posted on the website. Of course, on the podcast when we come back here in the morning tomorrow, if there is breaking news and whatnot. But if I had to guess, I really, I'm torn between the two because I'm 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 not really heard much about Kenny Atkinson. I'm not too impressed with Terry Stotts. I'm surprised he's getting another front running opportunity for a head coaching job. But congrats to both men for being in the front running race, and we'll see where it goes. Second of all, second top uh second piece of breaking news is Danny Age. 
the former ba- uh, basketball president of basketball operations, Danny H, is getting back into the mix of breaking news conversation, back into our basketball lives as he's as he has met with the Jazz and could possibly join the team in an advisory role. No more details have been given out, but he could be an advisor for the Utah Jazz. This certainly would be a step down from what he was currently or formerly with the Boston Celtics, but still, at least he's still active in the uh, league. At least he's trying to get back involved with teams, and you never know that advisory role could turn into something more, but would he, I don't know, would he want to? Uh, I don't I don't know the qu- answer to that question, but I do know the answer to this, that Danny H. met with the Jags and could potentially join as the advisor in one of his advisory roles for the Utah Jazz. This one's a little more devastating. I'm just going to cut. I'm going to cut right to the chase. I got two more pieces of breaking news. I was going to save this, but I'm just going to start off with the bad news. Um... Trey Young. Yesterday we were talking about Trey Young, and t- about two hours after I was done recording yesterday's podcast, this news came out that the MRI has confirmed Trey Young has a bone bruise in his left foot, and he will be questionable for Game Four, which is tonight on TNT. So. This is a huge deal because the Hawks are already down two to one, and what it could be with Trey Young could be devastating if they don't have him. So this is something to keep your eye on. Injury reports will be coming out coming out within the next few hours. Speculation, predictions, all that sorts of stuff has already been roaming. Um, has already been filtering across the um, NBA universe, right? So this is a huge deal. Keep your eyes on this. If we do get something for this entire podcast, I will bring it up because this can make or break the Hawks. As I'll talk about that in the upcoming segments as we get closer. Okay, I was I was feeling how well I was going to talk about for the podcast today, and I was not expecting this breaking news or just news in general because this is more of a rumor, but it's being confirmed minute by minute. And is consuming or, yeah, consuming the Warriors, James Wiseman, and draft picks. Oh, sorry, cut out there. Um, but the Warriors are going to try to trade James Wiseman in the seventh overall pick. And this is per the reports of Athletic. And this is widely considered... They said this was widely considered. There's a there's a good widespread chance of this actually happening. Because with the inconsistency James Wiseman had in the first year, last year's rookie year, with this team and how he fit in just how he was with the roster, people within the organization of Golden State are now questioning this and are gonna try to get upgraded talents better upgrades for your team and the athletic is confirming to keep someone in your mind are you ready it is pascal siakam from the toronto raptors 
So the Warriors right now have the 7th and 14th draft pick of this draft that's on July 23rd, I believe, right? So they're going to try to trade James Wiseman and the 7th round pick to get better upgrades to try to suit their team better. Because here's the truth be told, James Wiseman never fit on the Golden State Warriors because they play small ball and hero ball, meaning they just shoot the free point shot. They don't. They drive occasionally, but they like to shoot the deep ball. They like to give it to their best shooters, best scorers, like Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson when healthy. They really don't use the big man. I get you can say. Um, they had past big man, but Zaza Pujovic, man, I botched that. But Zaza, they just really it used them, but not as much as you would like to get out of James Wiseman. And even Pascal Siakam, right, they need a big man. I'm not questioning that, but my my thing is the Warriors are never like that. And they're not going to go like what the Suns are doing or what they should be doing, right? Go to that big man. Go to that guy who get in the paint. They're really not a paint team. They're more of a mid-range, deep-free kind of team that just likes taking many, many shots and hoping it goes through. They're more a free-point specialist team, right? Cause you have people. Uh, you have players like Curry, Clay, uh, Draymond from mid-range, and different guys like that. Kelly Oubre. Because they said they'd like to have him back, and this is a huge offseason for him to try to retain or extend the contract of Stephen Curry, try to re-sign Kelly Oubre, right? But I'm not. I, I'm shocked, but all the same time, I'm not because the rookie just never found it with the Warriors. And you could say, well, that's because of injuries, COVID, having some fans, having no fans. I'm not questioning, I'm not doubting, that can all play a huge effect on a team. But hear me out. James Wiseman was not the fit. The fit for that team would have been somebody like Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball. I get where they were trying to go, James Wiseman. James Wiseman is a great athlete, a good player, but not for the Warriors. Because it made him look like... That this um, second overall pick in last year's draft has just turned out to be a bust. He's not. He's just inconsistent and he needs player development because he does not shoot the free point ball. He just doesn't. He's one of those active players in the paint that'll get you rebounds, that'll go inside and do the dirty work, which no one in the words would do, right? A, some are too small, or B, that's just not their special. Uh, specialty. So, with that being said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade him to the Raptors for Pascal Siakam. But we're, because now um, the Raptors could use that seventh overall pick and James Wiseman, considering um, hypothetically if they do give him the draft pick and the player to him, that would be huge. Because you still have OG, OG Anabowie, Anabowie, uh Fred Van Fleet, James Wiseman, um, and different players like that. That would be significant. And then you have a great head coach, Nick Nurse. That would be something. Nick Nurse would be a great head coach for 
um, James Wiseman because he still values the big man. He still values his center in their schemes, in their roster, especially because I want to look up James Wiseman's age. I don't think he's like 21 years old yet. I don't think he's like 21, 22. Yeah, he's only 20 years old. Yes, so the thing is about, here's the thing. He's a center. Most big men, to me, don't really see huge career transformation or is complete. They're not complete till they're like 24, 25 years old. Unless you have this very dominant guy. Even Zion, if you put him at the center, he still needs to improve. Not every guy is going to be as dominant as Shaq. Right, I guess two different areas, but still, there's always improvement, and there's years to come. So he's just trying to get through for back level, back by the lack of a better phrase, going through the training wheel station for a few years until he could take those off, ride, and then just explode on the court, be this explosive, dynamic, physical. Uh, aggressive big man that really a few big men are or a lot of the players want to be, right? Because take the Rockets from a few years ago when they had P.J. Tucker. They play small ball. Um, They play small ball, right? Put P.J. Wash, uh, P.J. Tucker in there. That was bad, but it worked. But that's not like we go for height, size, strength, PJ's going to get taken out. I get there on two different teams, but you can see where I'm going at, right? Or take the Warriors. Uh, it's just like, who are you going to put in there? I get you could put like Draymond in there, but that's not his role. I get you had James Wiseman, but if you move on from him, who are you going to get? Right, because when you trade the sound for overall pick, you have to bank on getting someone good in the trade. Of course, you're not going to just throw away a draft pick and an exceptional player. But when you look at it, it's like, wow, who who are they going to get in return for that? Because teams will invest their money and time into James Wiseman. I have no doubt within that unless something major happens. People invest money into a draft pick because there's many good draft players out there. And I know we're debating about Jalen Green, Chad Cummington, maybe going first or second. But when you break it down, Evan Mobley's there. All these different guys are here. The draft combine went on last week. Players are players are starting to climb up the ranks, starting to change draft boards and whatnot. But it all depends on what who values that seventh overall pick and who values James Wiseman. Because it's great that we say Pascal Siakam. But Pascal Siakam, in his respective team, may not want to, may not go there, right? He's 27 years old, right? He puts up 21 points a game and 7 rebounds. But the problem for Siakam is he needs to be the dominant big man, not play the free point ball. He just can't always feed it to Stephen Curry. Let him take ridiculous amount of shots, then it could just go down to the big man just clean the board. So that's all well and good. And I guess that's somehow times how they run it with Clint Capella and the Hawks. But James Wiseman, Pascal Siakam, with all due respect to Clint Capella, are just better than him offensively. And they're all right there defensively. Well, I would take 
Clint Capella defensively over James Wiseman until he develops fully. But that's where we're at. The athletic confirmness. So this is not this is a rumor, but not like one of those huge out of this floating around rumor. This is like becoming more of a confirmed rumor where people are talking about this, saying, Well, wait a minute. This is this is serious. We're bringing names into this. We're finding trade destinations. The Warriors are always shown that they didn't want to have James Wiseman from the perspective that that's just who who they weren't. They played this experiment, and I say for the better, like for the better for the better career that James Wiseman could have. I believe they should get rid of him, and that may sound very odd, but. The Warriors are, gonna, are not going to help advance this guy's career. They're just not. And to not who they, it's not who they are. And I, that may sound very weird to Warriors fans, to NBA fans, experts, whatever, but they're just not. They're not that kind of team. And they just have too many shooters that aren't big men. So they're trying to play... Hero ball, try to be three-point specialist, mid-range specialist, but just never want to have that scheme or a few plays to drop to the big man that can really get him explosive. Because the NBA for the, for the past 10 years, past decade, you can say, have just been transitioning away from the big man play and just been trying to take all these jump shots, set shots, trying to get shooting guards, point guards, forwards like Kevin Durant just to take more shots, quit driving to the hole, play less contact, play less physicality, and just try to take more shots outside of the perimeter, outside of the paint. Because teams are trying to back away from that. Right? We're not seeing Laker ball where Kobe and Shaq are dominating inside, especially Shaq when he was with Orlando, especially Shaq when he was with the... Lakers for some time with Kobe. It's not like we're seeing the 96 Bulls, right? With Rodman, with Pippen, with all these different guys. It's not like we're seeing Tim Duncan out there or Marcus Aldridge out there, right? And you guys can agree or disagree to that. I'm just saying those are valid valid examples, possible answers to this question, right? But that's where we're at. So let me repeat this. If you guys missed it, what they're trying to get out of it, right? They're trying to get pa- Pascal Siakam because I went like I went everywhere when I, we should just focused on this, but my mind just exploded. So I, now let me give a recap. So the Warriors are going to try to try to trade James Wiseman, the seventh overall pick. This is pretty athletic, right? That that will try to get him to get better upgrades and potentially Pascal Siakam. And that's just a potential, potential player. That's not a confirmed player. That's just a name floating around that the Warriors could benefit from. Oh, that's all I'm saying. And that's that's all I got in this situation. I was caught off guard when I did read that headline, started to read the article. Um, just from... That from what I was getting offline and whatnot, but I want to I want to be surprised if they announce next week or during a draft, especially during a draft the week before the draft or during a draft. Like 
We're done with uh, James Wiseman, the seventh overall pick can go. I wouldn't be surprised they announced it during the seventh overall pick. Not saying they are, just saying that would be cool. Like, we're done with James Wiseman. We're giving it to Team X to receive X and just trading picks, trading players, cash, whatever, right? But that is that. That's why I have on that topic. If you guys have any more insights or news on this, send it directly to us on over on any of our social media platforms. Love to have it, love to tweet it out, post it out, and just rock with that news. Okay. Let's talk about the Hawks Bucks for tonight's game. And then I'll get to Suns Clippers after the Hawks. So if I've not already mentioned the Hawks against Bucks game. This is the last game in Atlanta. Atlanta's down two to one against Milwaukee. Game four tonight, live on TNT, five thirty p.m. And this is gonna be a heavy, heavy game for the Hawks with or without Trey Young. Because here's the thing: you cannot go down three to one against the Bucks. I know I made fun of the Bucks. I've criticized, scrutinized, uh, beaten down my Boonholzer, Giannis, whoever else, right? But here's the thing. If you go down 3-1 of them, they'll get lucky enough. They'll go tough enough. They'll win it 4-1. And you can, you can arguably, and rightly so, say they have, the Bucks have the better team as the Hawks. Well, if you have, you go by that standard, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm going to add on to that point where Mike Boonholzer is more experienced than David Millen as a head coach. Jan has been here, has been the pause longer, has felt defeat more, has felt hunger more. So has Chris Middleton. So has Drew Holiday. Right? They're more experienced. Trey Young is not experienced in the postseason. This is only his third. This is only his third season, I believe, since getting drafted in twenty eighteen. Right, uh, Clint Capella. He's he's just he's been one of those big man. He's been a powerful big man, but she's never been that big man. that has been able to experience the postseason, like Giannis, like Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez has been everywhere. He's seen, done, did everything in that in his career. Uh, I believe internationally and nationally. Right, so he's, he's seen that. The team has more experience. But does that mean they'll be more mentally tough? I'm not saying I'm not saying that the Hawks don't recognize that what's going on. Of course they recognize the severity, the extreme um the extreme tenseness of if they win or lose. This is a pivotal game for the Hawks. It's a crunch time game for the Hawks because it's two to one. I'm not saying they're gonna go three to one. I'm not gonna say they're gonna go down three to one, right? I'm just I'm just saying if the Hawks lose tonight, don't expect a game seven. Cause either the Hawks or the, oh my excuse me. Either the Bucks will win in game five or game six. But but if the Hawks win it tonight, they'll tie it up 2-2. Go back to Milwaukee. The first game of the series, 
Atlanta's like that. They were just boom, 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 boom. Snapping it with Trey Young, Clint Capella, John Collins, Kevin Hurt especially. Where they were getting in the flow, getting the rhythm, getting back to that pace, tempo, and just shining um, bright in the lights, right? They, they're, not, they're familiar to Milwaukee. They know Milwaukee. They played in Milwaukee. They know their fans. They've been there. They've been there, done that. I think it's just a really bad two-game stretch. I think this is where the Hawks turn it on. They know the severity. Name Mel's going to say, look, this is rise or shine. We're going to ball out. I don't care if you're gassed. I don't care if you're exhausted. I don't care if you're breaking every shot. Play smarter. Play harder. Play like this is game four where they're up 3 nothing. This is an elimination game. Imagine this is an elimination game. Imagine if we go down, we lose, and this is it. We're never getting our chance. You have to play like there's no coming back. Once you lose your lead, you have to keep fighting for it. You can't let them get the double digits. You have to crack down Giannis. You have to play tighter defense. You have to make sure they're not getting these free-inch openings, right? You have to make sure they're not getting these gimme shots. You have to make sure that you're playing good defense, not contesting too hard where the rest will make them draw a foul, right? Actually, I'm bringing up the box score. I'm bringing the box scores for this last game was Sunday. They lost one thirteen to one or two. That may seem like a, that may not seem like a big deal. Like oh, I lost by eleven, Bucks fashion. But no, what made it worse in the fourth quarter they lost their grip. They only scored seventeen points to the Bucks thirty in the fourth. Middleton had thirty eight points. Young had thirty five. That's really well. So what does that say? If Trey Young's not there, what do the Hawks have? That means Kevin Herter's got to rise up like he did in the games, um, in the closeout game against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. John Collins has to take more shots. Clint Cabela has to get more than eight rebounds, which he got last game, or 11 rebounds. He's got to be more controlling. He's got to be more aggressive. You have to go up strong because if you're going to commit a foul, do it the right way and not allow him to score the and one. Or here's an idea, and I know this is easy to say and all, but look, turnovers means everything. And the more turnovers you have, the more fast break points opportunities you're gonna, they're going to have. Points off turnovers, the Bucks scored 16. Six more than the Hawks. You might be saying to yourself, that's really stupid that you really count six more. But every point matters. Every turnover you commit, that changes momentum and that changes hands of the ball. And that means that the Bucks have every opportunity to get back into the game or tying their grip on the lead. Right? You never want to do that. And if I'm the Bucks and the Hawks, I get to make free throws. The Hawks miss seven, Bucks miss nine. Right? Nine to sixteen for the Hawks, twelve to twenty-one for the Bucks. This is last game. You gotta tie it up on your free throws. Because the Hawks 
those are easy shots, and I get it. You may not be the best free throw shooter, but still, those are easy, non-contested shots that you need to make in crunch time, any time, or just beginning the game. You just got to get in there. You got to find your rhythm. Because believe it or not, when you get in that rhythm of shooting a free throw and you make it, you start to see that ball go through the net. It lifts up your spirits, and you're like, Okay, I'm starting to feel it again. I'm making shots. And any form of a shot, whether it's a free throw, jumper, banked layup, layup, floater, whatever, corner free, a wing free, I don't, I don't care. But it's like, okay, wait a minute. I'm feeling I just saw that ball go for the net. My form felt good. It, you get a better posture of the situation. You get a better knowing, awareness of the situation. You're like, Okay, let's see this. And you just like, boom, boom, boom. And if I'm the Hawks, you got to shoot better from the field goal in front of the field. Your field goal percentage was 46%. You were 39-84. You can't have that again. You got to tighten up, especially in the fourth quarter. Because that's where the Bucks are beating you out at. Or beating you out. Cause you can look at the stat show you want. But it doesn't matter. You have to see the game because... You can tell pretty quickly when a team's going to light you up. And here's the thing. Last game, Bucks beat them out 30-17 to in the fourth. Uh, game two, when the Bucks beat them out 125-91, to ready for this? They outscored them in the second quarter 43-17. to The Bucks did. That, that's bad. That's bad. That cannot happen. So the Bucks gave you their ultimate death punch in the fourth quarter, but in game two they did it in the second quarter when things were rallying, when they were killing them, and when they went to halftime, it was just pretty much over. Where it's like, okay, we we surrender now. We can't do more. We can't do anything. Our players not hitting things. And if Trey Young's not there, if Trey Young's not there, you guys say, okay, John Collins, okay, Kevin Herter, okay, Clint Capella, okay, Bogdanovich, okay, Gallinari. I need the bench to be, I need the bench to pick up points to play better defense when the starters are not on. I need our three point shots to look more consistent. I need our field goal percentage to be above 50% because that's what you have to do to beat. This Bucks team. And I'm not kidding. They could have lost game one. They could have lost game one. But they but but that's when Trey Young was shooting 50% from the field for 48 points. You gotta go back to our original form. We also gotta ask questions, especially for Trey Young, how bad's the ankle? When you sprained your ankle or the bone bruise, whatever, on the left foot. On that referee, inadvertently, accidentally. How much is that going to cost you? How much damage? How much power? How much spring are you going to be getting with a bum foot slash ankle? Those are things you got to worry about. Those are things you got like, just, just got to keep in mind. Because when the Hawks won game one, they shot 49 and 49.5% from the field. They shot 25% from the free from the free point, that's horrible, but you'll take it because you outbeated, you beat it out the Bucks in that. 
You shot 87% from the free throw. That's great. You out-rebounded them. Um, you, um, you, yeah, it's just, you had, yeah, it's just, it's tough. Because I'm looking for this thing and I'm like, you just beat them out in the percentages. Just by a little bit. But here's the thing. You, you can't create so many turnovers because you're scoring off your turnovers. When Giannis is feeling it, he's going to explode right through. And you may look at me and say, it's Giannis. He could do that whenever he wants. But he doesn't. So when he gets into those modes, it's like the, the, he's, he, it's either life or death for him for this basketball team, for the box. And he's like, okay. Let me just keep hammering and hammering and hammering. Because when the player's feeling it, they're not thinking about anything else besides shoving it down in their uh, opponent's throat, shoving it down, keeping that lead, keeping their grip on the lead tight, trying to give no room to breathe, and just say, boom, boom, boom. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you know in the next two minutes, you're down five, you're down ten, twelve, whatever. That's what they did in game three. And in game four, they were really... I'm sorry, game two and then game three, they did that again the fourth quarter. Like, okay, we spot out your weaknesses. The You have open gaps, letting in the water, creating a flood, right? Think about it that way. You have this barrier, but it starts to cra- uh, create cracks. It starts cracking, starts creating leaks. Then all of a sudden, it just bursts through with floods, floods of water. All that floods of water just mean all of your weaknesses being exposed and all of the Bucks strengths capitalizing on your weakness, hence creating dominance for the Bucks. That's basically what you're doing. So if I'm naming Mill and I have to I you have to strategize. Okay, if we don't have Trey Young, who's gonna be the man rising up? Is it gonna be Herder? Is it gonna be Collins? You have a better chance of Herder playing like Herder. Meaning, in that closeout game against Philly, when Trey Young was on hand, a single shot, really, when, when he couldn't get anything going, Herder was the guy. He was making shots. He was making shots. So was Bogdanovich. If you need those two guys to step up, they can. Will they? I believe they can, but they just got to get pushed. They got to get in that right mentality. That physicality got to be high. That awareness has to be high. Court awareness is going to be the key. Because if you can create crisp passes, if you're able to make good judgment calls when you're on that court, less turnovers are going to be created um, and more points will be awarded to the Hawks. And that's that's really all, right? The Bucks have one mission. That's going up for the one. The Hawks have one mission. Not facing potential elimination after this game and winning this game. With or without Trey Young. And I have no idea... I have no idea. And it's like, if Traylon's not there, Traylon's remain score. He's the main guy. You ride and die by him, right? But if he's not there, do ankle injury to a foot injury, whatever you want to call it, you got to be there. Because let's just say Traylon, if he's on that court and he plays 40 minutes, let's just say it's 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. Does that mean, realistically, Will he help or hurt his team with that injury? And with his shooting inconsistency this series of the postseason against the Bucks, will it hurt more? Will it hurt more? Will it hurt the pace? 
will hurt the tempo of their shots, will hurt their passing decisions, their IQ on the court. And that might sound silly and all, but take that consideration when your main star's not feeling it. What do you do? Like, what do you do? How can you rebound from that? You, your leader's down. And he's setting by example a bad tone. Not because he wants to, because Trey Young never wants to, right? But injuries can do that to a team leader, can do that to a great player. It's been shown in every great player, every good player. It just shows. But it shows your heart's still there. And either way, if Trey Young can or cannot go, his voice is still going to be heard in that locker room. On the bench, everywhere, right? But the thing is, will it help or will it hurt? That's the question that the Hawks need to answer and every fan needs to answer and really consider, right? Because it's not hypothetical anymore. It's not. This is a legitimate question that could ride or die on this game if the Hawks can win or not. Can they win without Trey Young? And if Trey Young plays, will they be? Will he be killing them or helping them with this injury? Not by choice, but by, but just by the body hurting and whatnot. By you not being able to get good shots off, because Young has been playing inconsistent, but still good. If that makes sense. But now the injury that could be another roadblock. That could be another blockage that may not help this team at all. All I know is, is that this game's at 530 today. Hawks, Bucks, TNT. Game four, one of the biggest games this series. The Hawks have to do the job and win one in Atlanta like they did in Milwaukee. That's all it is. That's what they need to do. And that's what they should do. And I believe that's what they're going to do. I'm a fan of the Hawks, but I'm also a fan of seeing this go to a really good game without being a blowout, right? I, I don't know what else to say. I, I've exercised everything in my mind, but that's all the points I wanted to hit. The Bucks know what they need to do. The Hawks know what they need to do. And the training staff has a lot in their hands to deal with if he's medically clear, the player or not, or if he's just going to stay questionable and be a game-time decision. I don't know. I'll keep updating you guys on social media. Or like I said, if I get anything on this podcast episode before we end it um, within the next 20 minutes or so, um, I'll see. But right now, nothing. Absolutely nothing. But let's move on to the next and last segment. And that is Suns Clippers. What would have been a triumph? Over defeat, a victory through the darkness for the Suns. Shooting inconsistency, poor passing decisions, fatigue, inexperience. Those are all words you can uh, put into any one of the Suns' games, wins or losses. Last night, I believe it was last night, yeah, last night, Monday. The Suns lost to the Clippers. The Suns only had the lead once. Devin Booker and Paul George combined of like 17 of 46. Devin Booker shot 9 of 22 from the field, 31 points, 
and missed two free throws out of 11. Marcus Morris played unconscious in that first half, hitting shots over Devin Booker like he wasn't even there. Reggie Jackson was there, getting getting in his own, getting to that point guard mentality, hitting three pointers at will, being contested or not. Patrick Beverly was getting in the face of that team, was irritating Chris Paul and Devin Booker, their main, the Suns' main backcourt. Patrick Beverly is the kind of guy you hate to be playing against, but love having because he will attack you mentally and physically, challenge you in every way possible, and just try to get in your head and psych you out. And that's what he did. That's what he did. And you, you couldn't stop him. He's not an offensive weapon. He's a defensive and psychological uh, weapon. I'm not even kidding. He will play mind games with um he'll play mind games at you all day long. He'll keep doing that, pounding it, pounding it, pounding it every single minute of the game. It doesn't matter who he's on. He'll do that to anybody. Jay Crowder, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, Campaign, Cam Johnson, Chris Paul, anyone. And he'll do it. But you want to know the biggest takeaway of the game that I knew was going to cost the Suns? It was not just as a whole team of inconsistent shooting and poor judgment plays. The reason why the Suns lost was because, well, it's not the only reason, but because DeAndre Allen was only able to take nine shots in 37 minutes. He was 5-9, and nine, got 11 rebounds and 10 points. Because they were not feeding him the ball more, that was one of the many factors that crippled this team. If DeAndre Ayn was not playing in any of those three games they won, they did, this series would have been already over. It would have been a swept. The Valley Oop was because of Jay Crowder, a beautiful pass for the seven-foot alley-oop, Valley Oop. DeAndre Ayn in the first game was shattered by Devin Booker, 40-point triple-double. But then when it started to keep going down, going down, game three was Clippers, game four was ours by four points, 80, 84 to 80, thanks to uh, thanks to DeAndre Ang getting rebounds, blocking out, boxing out, getting blocks, getting good shot contest, getting in the lane, just dunking and drilling and doing that stuff offensively and defensively. But this game, no one won the pass it to the big man. We settled it more for freeze, and by shooting that, by shooting that. We were 9 of 26 from the three-point line and 38 of 84 from the field. From the field. We only out-rebounded them by one. We had two more assists from them, less steals, less blocks, more turnovers, less fast break points, less points in the pace, paint, um, and only had... One lead, our just lead was one to their 16, and we had more fouls. That didn't help. That didn't help. 
The Clippers were playing out of desperation and fear for having that closeout game. The intensity was there, but not for the Suns. It was there for the Clippers. The Suns arena was dead for the majority of that game. We made runs. We tried to get back into it. But every time we got back into it, the Clippers had an answer for us. And that was shutting us down defensively or shooting the free on us, of which we could not defend. We played great defense, but Reggie Jackson's and Paul George's freeze were just connecting like we weren't even there. There's a problem. I am now scared because... The Clippers, they have experience of this. This whole postseason journey from Series 1 to Series 3, which is now, they've always been down 2 nothing, and is now finding a way to fight back. I'm not kidding. They've ended the Mavs Series in 7. They've ended the Jazz Series in 6. If they, if they win in, in the, if they win tomorrow, Wednesday, in L.A., We'll be forced, they'll be forcing a Game 7 in Phoenix, which could be one of the biggest choke jobs the Suns can ever do. We're one game away from the NBA Finals, and we're just continuing shooting inconsistency. I can keep harping on this past game. This past game was so ugly, I'm happy I did not, we, uh, my family and I did not spend a thousand plus dollars just to go to a loss. We were so, our fans, we were so mentally and physically drained in the second half that we were just dead. When late in the fourth quarter with about five minutes remaining, tons of fans, hundreds of fans were leaving those arena, was leaving that arena, was leaving Talking Stick Resort. No joke, everybody was leaving. We didn't want to do anything else. We couldn't do anything else. No matter how hard, Chris Paul tried to get into a flow. No matter how hard Devin Booker was getting into a flow, it didn't matter, and it didn't work. The the gritty, gutty Clippers are doing the impossible for us. Meaning, we know reasoning is the impossible for for them. This is nothing. It's still fear and desperation and the sick feeling of being eliminated, but. They've been down 2-0. And we went up 3-1 this series after beating them in game game 4. We couldn't do it in game 5. Phoenix still leads this series 3-2, but the Clippers. The Clippers are making a serious run. And I'm not saying it's over the Suns. I still believe the Suns can get it done next game. But here's what I want to hit on. When we get a huge run, or within two, or within three, we have to stop settling for the three-point shot. That's a fact. When we had the lead once for a one-point lead, or we were within five or three, we got to sink down a single digit, very close. We always were trying to shoot the free ball, and that was not there for us. Hence our 34% from the three-point line. We... Missed some crucial free throws that could have turned the tide of this game. The Clippers only missed one free throw. They shot 93.3% from the field free throw line. 
We were not as aggressive. They brought the physicality. They brought the mental games. We didn't. They said, we're, we don't care if it's Phoenix or not. We're taking this. We took that. We just, we, we bowed down to them. We said, well, we couldn't do anything. We tried, but in the beginning of the game, right in the beginning of the game, it started out as, it started out as 18 and 4. That's where we were at at one point, but then it ended 36 and 26, Clippers. And then we won the second quarter. We lost the third and fourth quarter. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't do anything at one point. That's frustrating. At one point, it was 20 to 5 in the first quarter when it was only, when there was 9.24 remaining. They had huge, considerable runs on us. Their largest lead was 16. They had less fouls than us. Jay Crowder was not there. Mikel Bridges was not there. We can't shoot, and we're just forcing shots. Our backcourt is doing kind of better than they did the past two games. But we're still shooting 17 of 46 from the field. And that's combining Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Campaign was non-existent besides his two frees. He tried, and I congratulate him on that. But... Looking at the looking at it, he only had five points. Right? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And it, it was it was it was it was horrifically defeating just to see that happen because like the Suns can win and we have a chance to go to the NBA Finals. This is all for Chris Paul. They're gonna tab his mentality. No but here's the seconding part. This is the looming question. This is the question that could ride or die with us the entire time. Like a hangover heads, and that's the fact. What if we make it to the NBA Finals? What if we go to a Game 7 and win? Let's just say that. Will this poor consistency of shooting, or our poor intensity, intensity, our bad judgment plays, our poor passing, our high turnovers... Our main point guard, Chris Paul, not playing well. Our main uh, shooting guard, Chris Paul, um, I'm sorry, uh, Devin Booker, not be playing well. What if this, st- no one was playing well. Cam Johnson was great when he was, when he was five or six. Right? It's frustrating. But what if we make it? We could lose to the box or the Hawks. But we have to focus on the Clippers right now. We have to take all these mental notes, keep it. We can't forget about it because every time we forget about it, we always have to come down to the final wire when we win. But when we lose, it's always a blowout. It's just how it is. And Paul George made us look like idiots. They made us look like fools, and we got beaten like one. We were dragged around everywhere, and they were just shooting free will shots. They didn't do much. Boogie Cousins was doing his will. Patrick Beverly was mocking us during the game. Mockers Paul. Just because they could do it. They had the advantage. They had the lead. They had the upper hand. We were in the negatives, and they were in the positives by a considerable amount. 
Not one player on that team on the Clippers' side was in the negatives. Not one. That had a huge impact. Everybody that had a huge impact for the Suns as the majority playing were all in the negatives. I'm just saying that that's bad. And you can say, well, campaign was having ankle issues. That's not an excuse. You can't use that as one. Chris Paul, he's coming off of COVID symptoms. We have no idea if he was. We just know that he was out for two games. Well, what does that even mean now? We, we had more intensity when we knew Chris Paul wasn't there. What happened to our intensity? What happened to our drive? Where are the Phoenix Suns? And you, and you may say as a joke, but we've gone through a lot. We can't squander this opportunity. We can't let this go up in smoke. We can't take the free to one, now free to two lead that we have and say, we quit, we throw in the towel. And that's not what we want to do, but the end result is what we're looking at. It's what we're staring the barrel down. We have to shoot lights out. I don't care if we lose next game. Well, I care, but I'd rather see our shooting improve, our three-point shot improve, our passing improve, our defensive abilities, lowering those turnovers and fouls, because fouls have been killing us. Fouls have been killing us. I'm just, I'm just going to say right here. They made 14 free, uh, free throws, right? We lost by 14 points. I'm just saying. Those free throws add up after time. That's where guys get their points. I'm just saying. It's frustrating. We have to hit a shot. And Daryl Sargic was hitting free points like the game was over. Daryl Sargic did not care anymore. That's why he was being reckless and only shooting free point shots, which he cannot take. He can make them, but it's like one out of every ten. Right? Daryl Sargic was one for four. For two points. He was putting reckless shots. And you might be like, he only missed free. Calm down. It was like 25%. But still, if you look inside that game, it was bad when he was taking it. Because when we get a run with it, we carelessly shot free points, trying not to go back to a mid-range game. And Chris Paul can't hit anything right now. If Devin Booker and Chris Paul cannot, someone needs to step up. Cam Johnson looked like it until his momentum faded. And that's when... You, I, I just don't know. Like Everyone faded. Everyone faded. Please, tell me this. How can the Clippers, with no Ivan Zubak, with no Kawhi Leonard, with uh, injured Marcus Morris, on some extent, still beat us? And half-injured guy just beat us with a, uh, with a whipping 22 points. That's not good. When, why are we having Devin Booker on Marcus Morris? Put Jay Crowder on him. Because when Jay Crowder was on Marcus Morris, he was missing shots. Hitting him off the side of the backboard. It was just too easy for him. Marcus Morris went into game five only shooting 20 points throughout the entire series. He had about 20, uh, had 22 points in that entire game. 9 of 16. Free rebounds, two assists, right? Reggie Jackson was four seven from the free point from the free point area. Uh, Paul George was fifteen and twenty, forty one points and thirteen rebounds, six assists. Which is man to look like a Hulk? Which is man to look like an all star player? We're making it look like he's returned to his original form when he was with Indy, when he was with the Pacers. 
Come on. That's not that's not who we are. It's frustrating. It's humiliating. If this is how we're gonna be pining rest of this series, if we can't show intensity, if we can't show effort, good, I want us to lose. I want I want the Suns to lose. If they can't show us that they that they can't get out of their shooting slump, that they can't play defense without recklessly fouling, if we can't play well, then I don't I don't want us to win because I don't want to get I don't want to get humiliated in NBA Finals because if the Bucks win tonight's game and it goes to NBA Finals in the next two games, if they do win the next two games, I don't want to face them because I don't want to be humiliated. But I also don't want to be the guy that has said my team lost a freedom one lead. That's not who the Suns were. It's not who they are. We need to win one more game at home. And we just got whipped like it was nothing. So, shooting's got to be better. Devin Booker and Chris Paul have to come up. Has to be shooting less shots when they know they can't hit anything. And I say you have to take more shots to work through it, but... These games are play-around games. These aren't practice shots. These are real contested shots. These are real-time shots. They, they affect the game. If you can't do it, let someone else get warmed up. Let campaign. I'm sorry. Let campaign and Cam Johnson come in. Come on. He, Johnson was making stuff for us until we took him out of the game. He, besides that one missed horrible layup at a bad angle. He was doing good for us. It's just, I know we didn't have the momentum. I'm hoping it was just a momentum switch that we could have. But the Clippers has the momentum. And if they make this a free-to-free, a free-piece series, I'm going to be scared to death. I'm going to be scared to death. And maybe that's the kind of intensity. Maybe that's the desperation and fear we should have in our hearts that will scare us to death. Well, we'll play. Coming out of blazing fire to whip this team, to beat them down. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. We have to play like we're the ones down. We're the ones down free to two, where we could be eliminated at any point. And time's expiring. We can't play our way. We can't play our way. Especially in the, in the game in game four. Yeah, game four that we played in. Played incredible. Played incredible first half. Second half, we almost lost the game, except DeAndre. But since DeAndre ain't not playing well, due to the fact no one's going to give him the ball when he's only taking nine shots, he played incredible on those nine shots offensively. But he needs to get there more defensively, too. We had to stop, we had to stop taking bad, bad fouls. Because you're going to foul a guy. Do it right. Uh, and Zubox may be back for tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know where Kawhi's at. He was rolled out. Come on. This is our chance. This is our chance to eliminate the other LA team. And this is just frustrating. It's disappointing and humiliating. And I'm embarrassed to call myself a fan at some points. I'm gonna I'm gonna be right die with this team. No no matter what's gonna happen, right? I'm never gonna abandon them, but it's just like come on guys. Push it. Quit forcing shots. Like Devin Booker took some ugly shots that did not have to be taken. Take your time. You have 24 seconds on the shot clock. And if you have 14 seconds, give it. Make some good plays. Get some design calls going. Get some design plays happening. This is our time. 
Don't let the sorry Clippers come back and beat you. It's just not who you are. Remember who you were when you went up against the Lakers. When you didn't have Chris Paul. When you had a shoulder-injured Chris Chris Paul. Imagine who you were when you beat the MVP, Nikhil Jokic, and Nuggets. This isn't who you are. You have to snap back into this. And you have to do it quick. And you have to find some rhythm before tomorrow's game. Because that is a pivotal game, a scary game, and a game that can leave everybody hopeless if you are for Phoenix. I'm not kidding. That's not a clickbait. That is real and that's scary. And it's all I have to say. And it's all I have to know about the situation right now. I can keep beating a dead horse about this. Um, as the old saying goes, I could keep talking negative about the team. But the truth is, the truth of the matter, the fact of the matter is that it, 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 it should be ours. We're the better team, but we're not playing right now. But Devin Booker and Chris Paul, as soon as those two play better, DeAndre will follow. Everyone will follow. And we'll get back to our winning ways. I'm still optimistic. I'm still hopeful. I'm still cheerful. I'll see you guys back here tomorrow morning as we'll talk about the Hawks, as we'll talk about everything and preview the Suns game as I'll see you on my next podcast episode.